join our hearts together for prayer. Jesus, you who came into time to rescue us, you who will come again at the end of all time to welcome us into your glorious kingdom, come now into this time now and serve us, minister to us, help us, encourage us in our walk with you in this changing world until that time that we are beyond time in your eternal kingdom glory and in that great day. Guide us, Jesus, for your name's sake. Amen. Our theme this morning is a changeless Christ for a changing world. Um, this is the, the theme verse or the theme idea of Christ Lutheran Church. A week ago as we started coming together as a congregation, we talked about uh, shining a brighter light into a darkened world. Next week, we're going to think about uh, how knowing the peace and the power of the cross fits into what we're doing as two congregations have become one. Today, we want to think about uh, a verse or a statement that's helped that congregation for 86 years a changeless Christ for a changing world. Uh, that congregation uh, served Jesus downtown for 86 years, and a lot of things have changed in the last 86 years uh, downtown. A lot of things have changed out here in the last 86 years. And now as the two congregations have become one, the new St. Luke Lutheran Church with a Christ campus and a Meridian campus, uh, we've had, again, all kinds of changes and we'll have yet all kinds of other changes to come. A changeless Christ in a changing world. Uh, you know, we had a big election this last week, and some people are happy about it, some people are very concerned, sad about it, uh, and the one thing we all know is that it will bring all sorts of changes, like any election, uh, all sorts of changes into our lives as the people of God. Well, how does Christ fit into the midst of all of the changing that we experience? We're going to think about that as we look at this passage from Luke chapter 21, where Jesus is speaking about all kinds of things at the same time, culminating in his great return. For us to look at that, I, I, I do want us to consider the nature of a couple of things, you know, before we look at that passage. The first thing I want to look at is the nature of change. When you think about uh, change, what is change? What does it mean for something to change? Uh, we can say change moves in two directions. Change can be progress. Things are getting better. Things are going uphill. Or we could say there is, a, what word would we use? Regress, you know, that things are going down. Uh, and that's change. Things either get better or they get worse. That's change. If they stay the same, whatever that is, that's not a change. It's the same thing. Progress and regress. We'd say there are such things as progress, real progress. Wouldn't you much rather be sick today than, than 100 years ago? We'd say there's been medical progress. There have been also those things that we could say would be regress. Things have gone downhill, backwards. Uh, maybe some of the issues with pollution or, or use of, of the landscape around us. We'd say, well, that's not as good as it used to be. But all of this change, progress and regress, happens in the context of an ultimate decline of all things. Uh, all things, all life is coming to an end, is coming to a conclusion. 
Jesus speaks about that end. And so whether we say things are getting better or things are getting worse, they're all coming to an end. It's like uh, uh, raising a building, you know, blowing up a building, tearing down a building. Uh, what happens when you do that, when you tear down a building? A lot of stuff comes down, but some stuff goes up. You know, the debris, and, and so some goes down, some goes up, but the upshot of all of it is that it's coming to nothing. Maybe a better example would be uh, uh, burning leaves. Do you like the smell of burning leaves? Someone in the early service said it makes them all choked up. But most people like the smell of burning leaves. You aren't supposed to burn leaves anymore, but if you travel through the countryside now or here and there, you can catch a whiff of burning leaves and you say, oh, on a fall evening. That, that really smells good. Well, what's happening when somebody burns leaves? Things are going both ways. You know, the leaves are being reduced to ashes, even as other parts of the leaves are going up into the air. It's, it's, uh, there's a nice aroma. You might even say that's good, but at the end, all will be burned up. And that's what life is with progress in this world. Some things indeed are going up and it's, it's more fragrant, it's better, we like it. Other things are falling apart, but it's all ultimately going to come to nothing. There, there is such a thing as progress. We'd say medical technology is better than it used to be. Communication technology, we'd say that's better than it used to be. Uh, transportation technology, we'd say, well, that's better than it used to be. We could legitimately say those things are good, they're better than they used to be, that's progress. And yet all of that is lived in a world that's coming to an end. In the context of the ultimate collapse of life in this world, those things of progress are like the aroma of burning leaves on a fall evening. All right, set that aside for a minute. Just kind of put that on a shelf. The second thing I want to talk about the nature of is the nature of time. Uh, there are a number of ways that we can think about time. Uh, typically, we think about time as, uh, as linear, sequential, especially in the West. We think about time as a timeline. Uh, we have this time, that time, the next time, and uh, we have these different times that we experience. Uh, and, and, and so we, we say, you know, time is moving in a particular direction. Another view of time would be relational time. And some people tell time more by relationships than, than by a sequence. They say, I'll see you tomorrow mid-morning. Well, what do you mean mid-morning? Well, first I'm going to go see my mom and I'm going to visit with a friend and, and eventually I'll get around and get to you and see you, but it will be in relationship to these other people that I want to see. There's a third view of time. It would be circular time. We might say this is more of an Eastern view of time, that, that all time is one, that all time comes together and it just continues, uh, kind of like the, uh, um, the Lion King, the circle of life. And so we have morning, noontime, evening, morning, noontime, evening, and, and time just goes and goes and goes. There's a fourth kind of time, and that's the kind of time that Jesus experiences. He experiences pan time. The word pan means all. That, that Jesus experiences all time at the same time. Remember, Jesus is truly man. 
He came into time for a time to rescue us from time, but he's also truly God. He is beyond time, before time, after time. All time is one for Jesus. So when Jesus looks at something, he kind of looks at it as a whole. He sees all of it happening almost all at once or can conceive of it that way where we have to think about time in a sequence. First this, then that, then the next thing. But Jesus sees it almost all at the same time. That's going to help us to understand Luke chapter 21 where Jesus, to our ears, is jumbling up all kinds of time. It starts this way. It says, now while some were speaking of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings, he said, as for these things that you see, the days will come when, and then he goes on to explain how one stone won't be left upon another, and he was speaking about a particular time, the destruction of the temple, the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD that would happen about 40 years out. But then he went on to talk about some other times. He said, uh, uh, See that you, do not go, that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he. The time is at hand. Do not go after them. And when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified, for these things must first take place, but the end will not be at once. Then he goes on and talks about wars and rumors of wars and pestilence and earthquakes. And he's explaining about how those things are going to happen throughout time. One thing or, or some things that progress will never solve, it will never solve the problem of wars, pestilence, famines, and earthquakes. They're a condition of this broken world. Jesus then, as he's explaining about this, lapses back into the destruction of Jerusalem, where he says, but when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then you know that its desolation has come near. And just after that, he, he talks about a different time. He says, and there will be signs in the sun and moon and stars and on the earth distress of nations and perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves. He says, and they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Jesus is speaking about kind of all times at the same time. Uh, whether it was in 70 AD or whether it's in the next 2,000 years or so, or when it's his return, he sees it all at once. And so this passage, it seems to us to be somewhat confusing, becomes more clear, and it helps us to see that throughout all of these times, the thing to do is to trust in the cross of Christ. He calls us to endure, to have faith in Him. Uh, whether Jerusalem is being destroyed, whether there are famines, whether there are earthquakes, whether we're being handed over to be persecuted, or where, whether He's returning the thing for all time is to trust in the cross of Jesus Christ, where He came in time for a time to rescue us from the end of time. And even while all the changes happen in the world, uh, we see all of these changes. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't enjoy them. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't pursue them. It's just we should never put our hope in the things that change because they are always but variation of burning leaf smoke. Rather, we look to the cross of Jesus Christ to save us for all time. We want to focus today on the changeless Christ. 
Uh, he is the one that is our hope. Uh, the changeless Christ promises redemption. He says, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up, raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Jesus has redeemed us from this dying and decaying, changing world and has promised for us a new heaven and a new earth and has paid for it through His death on the cross. And there in paradise, there'll be no stench of death, no smell of decay. I don't know, maybe we won't have burning leaves either. We'll have Jesus. Do you know what wasn't in the tomb when they buried Jesus? You know, they put Him in the tomb and rolled the stone in front of it. Do you know what wasn't there? There was no smell. I mean, they had the spices, but there was no smell there was no smell of death, no putrefaction of the body. Because remember, Jesus is changeless. That even in death, the Bible had said his body would not see decay, but, but it endures. And by his grace and mercy, he promises us a share of it. That after our body has indeed decayed, it will be raised gloriously to be with him. The changeless Christ promises redemption. And he also promises us protection. He said, not a hair on your head will perish. Now that's kind of an odd thing for him to have said because just before it, he said, some of you are going to be killed for this. How is it that not a hair of their head could be uh, damaged and yet they would die? Remember the vantage point of Jesus. He sees all time at one, once and he sees his people victorious and glorious with him in, in heaven. And so even though, in fact, in this world, uh, our hair, our hair may be uh, uh, clipped and, and sheared, maybe even scalped, even though our hair ends up far more than must, from where Jesus stands at the end of all time, we will be victorious. He has protected us, and indeed not a hair on our head has been damaged. We look to today, this changeless Christ, and put our hope on Him. And we lift Him up for the changing world. Uh, the world changes much around us, uh, some going up, some coming down, but all of it headed toward an end. This calls for endurance. And that's what He said to His followers. He said, endure. See that you are not led astray, uh, saying, uh, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, the time is at hand. Don't go after them. He calls on us to endure in him. Let's not chase after the things that the world has to offer. Let's not chase after the things of the world that turn out to be little more than burning leaf smoke that ultimately comes to naught. Let us not get caught up in the fragrances of the progress we see around us, but instead put our hope on the timeless message and messenger, Jesus Christ. He calls on us to endure. Now, you might say, well, well what does that mean? What's life like then? You know, it's almost a dreadful picture of life, isn't it? Uh, am I suggesting that life is little more than rearranging uh, deck chairs on the Titanic? You know, it's all going down, and so what's the point of anything? That isn't a picture of life at all. Uh, rather, we should picture life as a, as a roller coaster, you know, it goes up, goes down, there are thrills, there are spills, uh, times that it's slow, times that are fast, and it's an adventure, that's what life is. And like a roller coaster, it comes to an end, often far sooner than we would like. And so we, we ride through life, 
trusting in Christ, looking to Him, enduring in Him, prepared for that time that God invites us into His glory. This changing world calls for us to endure and to trust in Him no matter what. And it also calls us for proclamation. We were in uh, downtown Detroit recently uh, on a fall morning, and the fog rolled in. It was kind of cool to see the fog roll in downtown Detroit. We were out for a walk and, and heard this sound. I thought, what in the world is that? And I thought, oh, that's a foghorn. Well, what's a foghorn doing in downtown Detroit? And then you remember there's a river there. And things had changed. The conditions had changed. The fog had come in. And so the foghorn, that kind of low, melodious, not shrill or frightening, almost an old-fashioned sound, was there to protect and guide the ships and the sailors safely down the Detroit River. That's the work of the church. We're to be like a foghorn in the midst of all of the change that's kind of wafting over people. Not shrill, not angry, probably a little old-fashioned sounding, but we proclaim to the world Jesus Christ and the hope and the life that comes through Him alone. The changeless Christ, uh, the one in whom we have redemption and protection for a changing world that we would endure and that we would proclaim Him to others, to announce Him is the way free. We just had an election, and running up to the election, it was all about change, that this is a, an election that would bring a lot of change. Of course, we heard the same thing in the election before that, right? And the election before that, and the one before that. I mean, every election ultimately is about change. And as Christians following the changeless Christ, uh, we never get too up, too down about the change that's happening around us because in the end it's all burning leaf smoke. You know, aromatic and nice as far as it goes, but it doesn't go forever. We don't get too high. We don't get too low. We trust in the changeless Christ. It's for the government. It's for commerce and industry to work on the changes necessary to make burning leaves more uh, aromatic and things as good as possible. But it is for the church to lift up the changeless Christ to a changing, dying, decaying world and to see them safely through to the other side. Amen.